Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. This is the Area 941 Radio Walensky Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Walensky. Back in 1991-1992, I embarked on a series of interviews about George Gershwin that I thought would make their way into a radio documentary. Seven interviews were recorded in all by the time the project was eventually abandoned. The first interview, which got me going, was with Gershwin scholar Dina Rosenberg and Ira Gershwin's nephew, Michael Strunsky, and aired as a KPFA morning concert. The second was with English Strunsky, Michael's father, and Ira Gershwin's brother-in-law, and George Gershwin's wingman on Broadway. The morning concert interview was pared down, removing copyrighted music, and the English Strunsky interview digitized and edited. Both found their way to the Radio Walensky podcast, with versions airing on KPFA, and you can find links to both podcasts by going to the kpfa.org page for this podcast. Now, this third interview being posted is with Kitty Carlisle Hart, conducted over the phone. Best known for a long stint as panelist on a popular television quiz show, To Tell the Truth, from 1956 to 1978, with cameos in a handful of films late in life, Kitty Carlisle was born in 1910 and died in 2007. She came of age as an opera singer and Broadway performer, going to Hollywood for a handful of films, including the Marx Brothers' A Night at the Opera. She dated George Gershwin from 1933 until, as she said, he moved to Hollywood. After that, she married playwright Moss Hart. It was a marriage that lasted until his early death in 1961. Afterward, while continuing her television career, she was a leading advocate for the arts and arts funding, serving on the New York State Arts Council for some 20 years. This interview was undated, but was probably around 2001, making this the final interview before the project was abandoned. Kitty Carlisle Hart, you were born in Louisiana. You went to Broadway in the, I guess, late 20s, early 30s, wound up in Hollywood. Somewhere along the line there, you met and dated George Gershwin. Yes. Do you remember when and how you met him? Yes. I was asked to go on a radio show with George, and I went on the radio show, and um, it was very interesting because um, it was live. They didn't have television yet, and so we went on the radio, and um, he liked me, and he asked me to go to a party with him that night. And in those days, it was very interesting because society and performers were all mixed up. And now it's not true. Um, in the first place, there's no society anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was busy trying to get a career started. And he was already very famous. And so I started dating him. And uh, we used to go to El Morocco and bet each other 
which song would be played first. I had a hit, and he had a hit. There's a story you tell in your show at the Plush Room about how he would try to seduce the women that he dated. Did he try that on you? Um, He tried it on everybody. And that story involves getting you up to his apartment and saying he wrote a song for you? Is that what it was? No, no. He asked me to come up to his apartment and and help him while he fiddled around with summertime. What was he actually like? Was he just a charmer? He was a charmer, and he was so good-looking, and he had so much energy. And we used to go walking in the park uh, with um, his sidekick. What was his name? That English, Ingi Strunsky? No, it was a piano player. Anyway, yeah. uh, we used to go walking in the park after he had been playing a concert up in the park, and we had good times. Was he was he critical of his own work, or how did he feel about his own work? He liked it. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get a chance um, during that period to meet people like Cole Porter and Irving Berlin? Yes, I met them all. And I talk about them in my show, and I sing their songs. What was Berlin like? He was a charmer. He did three shows with my husband long before we were married. Right. And um, he was he was uh, adorable, and uh, he gave me some some uh, bird pictures that he that he painted, and he said. Take care of them. They're a collector's item. He had a very high-pitched voice. <laughs> yeah, he was in, uh, I think, This is the Army. You actually get to see him in the film. Right. Uh, and Cole Porter, did you, you knew him before his accident? Uh, yes, yes. I think so. I don't remember. Um, in any case, I knew him well, and um, I went to visit him in the hospital, and he had his secretary bring out little uh, sandwiches and things, and, and he put them on the radiator. And we had a, a little party, a tea party, and that's the last time I saw him. How did you and George go your own ways, do you remember? Well, he went to California, and uh, he died six months later. Well, you were in California also. You worked on Night at the Opera. Now, I understand that the Marx Brothers around you, at least, were not pulling pranks. They were very nice to you, right? They were charming. And Groucho came up to you and would ask you if certain jokes worked? Oh, yes. (laughs) He was very, very famous for telling jokes. And he told uh, them with rapid fire. And some of them were not funny. And he would say, is this funny? And then he'd read the joke. And then he'd, I'd say, no, Groucho. And he, then he'd say it funny. And I would laugh. And Harpo was the fellow that the intelligentsia liked in New York. And uh, one day before we were married, uh, he came to the house uh, for a weekend, and um, Boss had just done this gorgeous house, 
and he was very proud of it. And so he said to Harpo, who was a house guest, he said, uh, the local minister is coming to call, and I don't have that much to say to the local minister, so would you interrupt us after about 10 minutes? And so Harpo said, sure. And after 10 minutes, Harpo appeared on the balcony above the living room, and he was dressed only in a towel, and he had a big shaving brush in his hand. And he said, Moss, time to shave the cat. And the minister fled. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. When you were working on Night at the Opera, I mean, this had a regular script. How close did these guys stick to the script? Oh, totally, because George Kaufman had helped write the script, and he didn't he didn't um, take any guff from them. Was he on the set at the time? Oh, yes. And there's also the story about how you were very concerned about your singing, and somewhere along the line in one of the rushes, a different voice got dubbed in for yours? No, it was um, it was when I was doing this scene um, a night at the opera. Right. And uh, I heard a different quality voice, and I said, Mr. Wood, uh, Mr. Wood was the director. Right, Sam Wood. He said, Mr. Wood, there's something the matter. And he said, we'll go ahead and sing it. We'll explain later. And so I started again, and I said, I stopped and I said, Mr. Wood, that's not my voice. And he say, came down off the boom to my level, and he said, well, just go ahead and sing it, and we'll explain later. And I thought, uh-uh. And I walked off the set. It's the bravest thing I ever did. And I called my agent, and he said, get dressed and be in your... Uh, dressing room, ready to work at 8 o'clock, and stay there until I come to get you. So I stayed there for three days, and finally he came to get me, and he said, and he took me to Mr. Thalberg, and I cried on his desk, and I cried on the top of his head, and I cried in the waste paper basket, and when I hear that high C, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you took a few days off from the show. I mean, when you went back to the set, did, did anybody have a word to you at all? I don't remember. You were also in a couple of movies with Bing Crosby. How was working with him? He never spoke to me. He must have okayed me because he had jurisdiction over who he played with. And um, the only time he ever spoke to me was... When he showed me a, a little um, diamond necklace that he said he was going to give to his wife, and he said, would she like it? And I said, I think she'd love it. And that was the end of that. And through two movies, that was it? Yes. Well, he was a very strange fellow. But I tell you something, he sang better than anybody. He had the a golden voice, and he sang the best. Did you ever get a chance to meet Fred Astaire? No. 
eventually you did meet and marry Morse Hart. You met Morse Hart on the set of uh, Night at the Opera, right? Uh, yes. Because he was working, I guess, with George Kaufman. Uh, they came, uh, he, he and Cole Porter came out to audition me for um, a um, movie that they were doing. And um, I didn't get the movie, but I got the man. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get involved with To Tell the Truth? How did I get involved? Yeah. Well, everybody was doing some kind of game shows in those days. And um, Truman Capote was doing a game show, and Moss Hart and George Kaufman were doing game shows, and they had all kinds of uh, interesting people doing game shows. And so, uh, I don't know, they called me up and asked me to do the game show, to tell the truth, and they took me to lunch about uh, three months later, and they took me to a fancy restaurant, and I thought, oh boy, am I doing well. And they <laughs> fired me. They said I was too old, and they wanted a younger image. So they hired young people, 18, 19 years old, and they were ravishingly beautiful, but they didn't know anything. So they hired me back. <laughs> and then... Twenty years later, Mark Goodson, who ran the show, asked me to come out to California and and demonstrate the show and try to sell it. I didn't tell him he'd fired me <laughs> twenty years before because <laughs> I was too old. You also spent many, many years as chair of the New York State Council for the Arts. I was appointed by... I started with Nelson Rockefeller, and I called them all Governor Darling. I had five governors, and when I got to Pataki, I said, I've called all my governors Governor Darling, and I'm not going to make an exception for you. And he said, and when you don't call me Governor Darling, I'll know I'm slipping. In that capacity, I would guess that you, you argued for more arts funding. I mean, how important do you think arts funding is your government arts funding it's rightfully important and it 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 helps children and when children do the arts they learn better and they become better citizens and they get to be better children but they've cut all those subsidies yeah which which makes me me ask you about you know you've witnessed the entire length and breadth of virtually of the 20th century, and here we are in the 21st century. Where do you see America today? Well, I don't like the way women dress. I think showing their navels and all that is not all that attractive. And um, I find that things have deteriorated a little bit. But things are getting better in some areas. You know, you can't be sad about the world when you live a long time because you're very grateful to be alive. And I'm grateful to be able to sing and to, to pack my uh, venues with people. And uh, 
I'm very grateful. And I have to leave you now. Well, that was wonderful. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Feedback on this and other Radio Walensky podcasts is appreciated. You can write to bookwaves at hotmail.com and feel free to search out other interviews at bookwaves.com or on the kpfa.org website. Until next time, I'm Richard Walensky on the Area 941 Radio Walensky Podcast.